You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Hello, Teak Nation Podcasters. I have missed you. My name is Alex Swenson. Donnie Aldrich alongside. It is Tuesday, April 27th. We took a whole extra day to wait for stuff to happen for us to talk about. And uh, I don't really think anything did. Monday, April 26th, will go down in history as a bit of a dud. But that's all right. Got a lot to get through today. Not a lot of time because we do have another double feature interview. So when it rains, it pours. We had our first double feature last week, and then we just go right into another one. Have two Gentlemen from the Beta Sigma chapter at the University of Southern California to talk about a career company that they have started, and it is timely. It's job hunting season, so excited to share that interview with you all and get to that. But first, Oscars recap. We teased it last week. I gave my predictions, my wildly uneducated predictions, and I did okay. I batted uh, batted 600, which, I mean, that. That'll not just get you in the Hall of Fame. That'll get you a front row, plaque, bust, trophy, everything. I mean, that that's that's the greatest baseball player of all time. So I'll, I'll take I'll take sixty percent on the Oscars predictions. Donnie, you didn't make any predictions, so you could argue you batted a thousand or you batted zero. Which which uh, I, def- I definitely batted. I definitely batted zero. I think it's a short sighted, egotistical thing to say you batted a thousand because you didn't take any swings. So batted zero. But I'm curious. And I'm sure the listeners are as well to hear what were your hits? What, what were the things that actually uh, came through as I'm, I know this will be shocking to you, but I did not watch the Oscars. I did. Not watch so the Oscars. I, I, did. I was, I, Oscars always start at like eight o'clock on Sunday evening and I always get gassed up for them at like seven 48. So I did, I did prep and watch them. So uh, best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya did win. That was my prediction. Best supporting actress. You recall, I, Selected Glenn Close, but I had absolutely no context or idea for who was going to win that award. Uh, it went to, oh man, uh, Yu Jung Yoon for Minari. I think I did okay on that pronunciation. Best Actor, I predicted that uh, Riz Ahmed would win for The Sound of Metal. He did not. Anthony Hopkins won for The Father. Uh, and then Best mm-hmm. Actress, Frances McDormand won, which was my prediction. And then Best Picture, Nomadland did win, which was also my prediction. Uh, the Oscars, I don't know if you've seen anything about it. They essentially what happened, my take on the situation, a lot of people's take, is that they milked Chadwick Boseman's death for the entirety of the show and waited until the very end to uh, to present the Best Actor Award because every, he was nominated and everyone thought that he would get the award. And then they gave it to Anthony Hopkins and then the show ended. And it was, it was very awkward. Well, I will say this. Chadwick Boseman was one of my favorite actors. Uh, and so it is a shame that he is no longer with us and won't be able to continue to share his talents because he was amazing. Yeah, and, and, and I've not seen The Father nor will I probably ever see it. But from what I understand, Anthony Hopkins gave a tremendous performance uh, and he's a historically great actor. It was just, I think everyone's take on it was, oh, you know, they're going to wait. They're going to, they're going to announce this award and present it posthumously to, 
to Chadwick Boseman. And then it was just like, eh, actually, and Anthony Hopkins was asleep in England. He wasn't at the show. He was not available via live satellite. So just made for a very, uh, very awkward final three or four minutes of the Academy Awards, especially because Joaquin Phoenix was presenting the award and he's arguably the king of awkward. So it was just uh, it's a strange, strange wrap up to uh, an interesting night. Sounds like an amazing cocktail there at the end. Have you seen the movie 21 Bridges? No. Got to see it. Is it so good? it's very good. Chadwick Boseman. And what's interesting about the movie in retrospect, once I saw the movie the first time, now I've seen it probably eight or 10 times. And in watching the movie, he had cancer during the movie, but you mm. didn't know he had cancer in the movie. And so he hadn't, hadn't come out and announced it. So when you watch it, though, you can see how frail he looks if you're really paying attention because he's a police detective, yeah. but he still gives a phenomenal performance in the movie. Uh, very good action, action movie. Well, it's no one knew. I mean, it, the, his, when he died, uh, don't want to compare it directly, but it was almost like when Kobe died and you just woke up and it was like Kobe Bryant's been in a helicopter crash and, and is no longer with us and wake up and people are tweeting RIP Chadwick Boseman. You're like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? RIP Chadwick Boseman. And, he was fighting through cancer and, and like you said, no one knew about it, stayed working, kept about his business and produced a couple of pretty, pretty good movies in his, his last couple of years. So uh, you're right. It is unfortunate that he is no longer able to share his talents, but uh, at least left us with some pretty, pretty solid films. We can honor his memory watching those. Other, one other Oscars note, uh, Frauder Trevon Free did win. His, uh, his Oscar for Two Distant Strangers, best short film, uh, live action short. So that was really cool to see. Unfortunately, I think if, if we were struggling to get Oscar nominee Trevon Free on the podcast, we, we have about a 0.0% chance of getting you think he's Oscar too big winner time now for us? podcast. I yeah. want to tell you this, and this is, this is a life tip for all those out there. You continually to demean our position in the podcast universe is not going to be helpful to us getting those people. You keep trying to bring us down versus it should be an honor for him to come on the Teak Nation podcast because we can highlight and we're about to blow up at any point now. So point. you got to think positive, my man. I, I watched the I was watching the last dance again for the 437th oh. time and MJ Back in 97, you can see he's in the huddle. Talk. You got to stay positive. You got to stay positive even when things are not looking good. One of the things that uh, that Mark shared a couple weeks ago, Mark Vukovic, about celebrating those little wins, I thought that was extremely poignant, not just for golf, but but in life. When he said, you know, if you're if you make a birdie or if you make, you know, if you make a 15 foot putt to, to save bogey when you thought you were headed for double or triple, like celebrate that, go nuts. And so I've been trying to, to work that in a little more often. I don't get suit, you know, I don't go, I don't go tiger fist pump whenever I load the dishwasher necessarily, but um, celebrating those little wins and, and, you know, having a little more positive outlook. I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to watch the last dance again. I know. Lots probably changed since last time you watched it. Well, just one episode. I didn't watch all 10. Which one? I believe it was episode six or seven I started on. And then it, as you know, as it goes, you kind of, you keep watching as you're doing. I like to watch those types of pieces while I'm doing things, right? Like while I'm shaving or while I'm getting ready. I can't do it in silence. Some people like to jam out to music. I like to put on something that's going to get my blood going. If it wasn't Rodman in Vegas, it was a waste of time.
they had to go fish him out of Vegas. Yeah, who? I mean, who hasn't been fished out of Vegas? In, yeah, there's in some life. stories for another podcast for you on That's that. Right. All right, moving forward, uh, I know we take a lot of pride on the Teak Nation podcast talking about things that most people don't care about. But they should care about it. We're going to talk about the NFL draft next, but I think we are. People need to get fired up. It's draft week, baby. I I was going to say, if you you want to make a list of the top things that I care about at a very deep level that very few other people do, Hard to think the NFL draft isn't right there at the top of it. So it's only it it's only the the top sports league in the greatest country on the planet, and this is the greatest way that you build said team of the greatest in the greatest league on the planet. So yeah, I, think, I mean you're right, you're right. It shouldn't be a big deal to people who are NFL fans. I think I, I think I think a lot of people just they say you know I don't have any control over what my team does, which is accurate. I don't have any say in their draft picks, and so. They'll just do whatever, and, and I'll root for the players they put out on the field. But let me just tell you, you're not getting nearly emotionally invested enough if, if that's your outlook, and you're not setting yourself up for crippling heartbreak every fall when your team is eliminated from the playoffs or you know just loses a simple game on Sunday at 1 p.m. So that, that emotional – Okay, so we just had this discussion about being out. positive. We just had this discussion about being positive, and here you are right back down trying to well, take it us doesn't to, the, a, doesn't apply to, to the seller. doesn't apply yeah, to the it does. You know what? This is why you get into the NFL draft, because when your team drafts someone who turns out to be an impact player that helps you win playoff games and Super Bowls, this is why you get fired up. So you don't need to go down the negative road. Go down a positive road of how – these could be game changers. Think about when the Colts drafted Peyton Manning, my man, how that changed this whole city. It changed the whole city in terms of that is true. buildings, teams coming here, businesses coming here, a Super Bowl coming here. We're going to have the college football national championship next year here. He changed the city, that one draft pick. That's how important the draft can be. That is true. Yeah, that's could have been Ryan Leaf, and it would have not gone similarly. So. Right, like every I, Pacers – this isn't the NBA draft uh, lottery show, but every Pacers draft, which if you want to go down negative town, there's all sorts of ammunition. Basically, yeah. every Pacers draft pick ever. Yeah, there, uh, Pey- uh, yeah, Peyton Manning has one thing in common with all of the Pacers draft picks, which is that he's a tall white guy. And, uh, and you know, Peyton Manning has made a far greater impact on the city than any person the Pacers have taken – well, probably since uh, Reggie Miller, so – Right. Well, we did draft Paul George. It just turned out he he just he became just Hollywood made, made and had an to get out of here. Act on the city. Yeah. He was actively shopping himself out of here. He was uh, like most folks on the East and West Coast who think this is flyover country. That's right. I don't I don't have a ton of exciting predictions for the NFL draft. I will say that if Mac Jones goes number three to the 49ers, I will rip all of the hair that remains out of the top of my head, which not a lot. Fortunately, you all can't see this video, but um, if if just if Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, A, and that starts a domino effect of Justin Fields ending up in New England, I think Justin Fields may be the best quarterback in this draft, maybe better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go all out and say you should go number one. I'm saying Justin Fields does a lot of things as well or better than Trevor Lawrence. Wouldn't shock me if he has a better career. If Justin Fields ends up in New England, I am going to rip my TV off the wall and throw it out the window somewhere. Well, then everyone should tune in about 8.20 Eastern because that's most likely going to happen. At least the first part's going to happen. All of these ridiculous things you've said you're going to do 
there's no way you want to rip your hair out because you might as well just start shaving now or that you want to throw a television off the wall because that means you gotta go buy a new one and i know that and it's like screwed up there on the mount so that'd probably that'd take a while well that's why i said rip it out of the wall i don't need a screwdriver just use my brute strength i don't know that you're yeah i don't know that you're strong enough to rip it out of the wall without tearing something in your back i don't know I don't know. Tune in at 820. Could you just maybe, live stream maybe it? I'll have, maybe I'll have to do the TV in my bedroom. It's, it's I know how I, I know everybody wants their life to be live streamed. So why don't you go ahead and ask Allie to live stream you ripping your television off the wall when Mac Jones gets drafted third. That could be the most impactful thing in this podcast today. True. Just the excitement. Yeah, uh, it's it's obviously a great draft for quarterbacks. Uh, good draft for offensive linemen, corners. Not so good on the defensive side. Linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle. Huge for wideouts. Huge for wideouts. You a lot of always wideouts. want the Colts to take a wide receiver. I don't think they need a wide receiver this year. Oh, um, Al, this is not the time for us to have this discussion in front yeah, of the world, but you were wrong. We Let's just say that. that. Maybe we start the Teak Nation draft podcast. Talk no, it's a post-pod discussion you and I that we'll have because this isn't the Colts, you know, the Colts podcast. But if it was, we could really if get it after was, it here. We would argue. All right. Yeah, we would. I mean, we have a wide out on a one-year deal. We have another guy who's not been healthy his whole career. Right. You know, we're just loaded up, ready to go. Well, Michael Pittman Jr. is uh, ready to break out. I understand. We'll that. Speak, you know, speaking of USC, we'll keep that USC flair throughout this entire, entire episode. A couple other quick things. Uh, I did sign up for a marathon a week ago. So that's, that's impressive. Where, where will mean, this marathon take place? That's, that's three quarters of the battle is just, you know, it was $85. So I got the hard part out of the way. Um, it is, it's taking place in Indianapolis is the monumental marathon. It, it essentially, I'm guessing most people are not familiar with Indianapolis, but starts in downtown, uh, runs you up to broad ripple more or less. Mm-hmm. You go across, you go West from broad, broad ripple, and then you go back South back downtown. So what um, you know, are you going to run by my house out here out West? Is no, that... we won't, we won't make it out to Avon, unfortunately. Um, okay. Stay, stays inside the 465 loop, but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's in November. So I got November. a time. I got a, got a training plan from our good friend, Tim O'Neill sent it over and uh, I'll be adjusting that probably start really ramping up the training in, uh, in July. And then what's the, what's the exact date? We'll see if I die. Um, the sixth, maybe. Oh boy. Grand council meeting. That's right. All right. Well, we got some stuff to figure out. <laughs> you know what you could you could ask the council to come to indianapolis and you could get the council to run the marathon with you i'm sure you get you get jason blank get, out there you, you, some, you and blank get him on some electric scooters or and he's got a great bike share program i'm sure hmm. I'm sure i could find a few guys that'd be willing to to pedal alongside um yeah talk, well, about, I things, mean, talk about things we talk about things we could like this is turning into live stream nation out here of all these things we could live stream do a live podcast as I you running a marathon, marathon with the grand council behind you on scooters. This is top level stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the $85 is non-refundable. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure, we'll figure it out. That's like a Thursday night for you, especially with all these draft picks you think, you know, no, I, I don't, I don't go that, I don't go that hard on the, uh, well, I did on the masters and it went pretty well. So I think we've talked about this. I, I have, I am, slightly experienced with with half marathons i don't want people listening to think like oh my gosh this like chubby guy is just going to try and run a marathon i have a have a little bit of groundwork laid so i I still double a half marathon if if you understand how math works i'm pretty nervous sounds like i won't be running anyway so skirted my way out of that one it's not as if there are other marathons 
uh, there's, there's one in, there's one big one in the fall and one big one in the spring. So they're, they're mostly in, Indi- in Indianapolis. There's other places you can run marathons. Well, yeah, but I'm like, I don't see myself going out and, and running 26 miles just for the hell of it. I, that's, that's a big, no, I'm saying there's other cities that hold marathons. That's true. That's true. Thank I, you. I'm we're on the same page now. I agree with you. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll look into it. You're complete tailspin now that I told you we might be in a, a little bit a council meeting. A little bit. I'll, I'll recover though. Um, last thing before we get to rule of three, if you recall last week, we had a intense discussion about the word applicable versus applicable. I yes. mentioned that there was another word that I heard pronounced differently that I could not remember. I believe later that day, maybe the next day, I was on a call with a friend of the program, Santos Lara, and he said that word, and I remembered. So I want to share that with you all. How do you pronounce the word that is spelled? I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L. Integral? Yeah, okay, integral. Yeah, some people say integral, and I just, I don't vibe with that. And I don't know which is correct, but integral, I've heard integral, integral, integral and integral. Yeah. Well, now both like, sound wrong because we keep saying them. Right. But. Integral. Well, integral sounds the way it's spelled. Yeah. But it's just which, which, which syllable gets the, the emphasis that you're. Okay. That you're talking Don't about. say emphasis. <laughs> this now um, could be the whole episode is we just see how many words we can mispronounce. Any, anyway. Uh, I discovered it after a long search. Thank you to Frater Santos. And once again, I'm not going to tell you wrong if you say integral because I, I don't know, just like I'm, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong if you say applicable because I think it could be correct. I just don't say that. It's personal preference. All right, rule three, let's keep moving. This is, uh, this is a good one. I was proud of myself for coming up with this. Talk about celebrating small wins, gave myself a pat on the back. Uh, it is... You know, we don't want to call it career week here on the Teak Nation podcast, but uh, we're talking to talking to two guys who are in the business of helping people find jobs and start careers. So my rule of three question is this. If you were to quit your current job as the chief executive officer of TalkAb Epsilon International Fraternity and somebody out there, Mark Benioff, let's say, called you up and said, Donnie, I will bankroll you. I will continue to pay your current salary plus benefits for an indefinite period of time so you can go pursue whatever career you want to pursue. What are the three jobs or careers that starting from scratch you would go after in that scenario? Start with first, I do have one of my dreams. This is a great job, right? That I have right now. So I want to make sure that we start there because anytime you go down this road, right? Instantly people get in the mindset of you're not happy in your current job. And I love- That was never implied by me. I understand, but you're conclusions, right? You got people out there that run off and, Hey, I heard Donnie talk about going to do this or that. And then that spirals. And before you know it, you get people. If that's you listening out there, we don't want you listening to this podcast. Go find another podcast to be negative about. All right. We cleared it up. Donnie got the disclaimer out of the way. I tell you what, people trying to figure out if you're positive or negative on this episode is a real juxtaposition. There's there's the word of the day. You always love we have a word of the day on the podcast now juxtaposition thought the word of the day was integral no it's not okay so the three here we go one something you and i would love together we talk about a chance for us to keep working together nfl gm wow oh man i i love i there's a lot of aspects because you're not just it's not just the draft right it's player development it's coaches it's you're running a team it's it's a lot of what the fraternity you're running a team of people 
who are trying towards a goal and trying to make people better. So that's one. Two, this would cost Benioff uh, far more money than he wants to invest. And that would be professional golfer because this guy needs work. I mean, we're talking money that he he would just be burning it, trying to get me to that level with that that's type the deal. of deal. That's what he said. That's, that's the deal. In this fantasy scenario. Three is not going to surprise you at all. Motivational speaker, mm. Tony Robbins, Eric Thomas, Les Brown, I'm coming for you. Give me, throw some cash my way. Let me get in front of some human beings and let's go get after it. Put you in a stadium. Put me in a stadium. All right. It is really funny to say that if you put me on the first tee in the Masters, I would be shaking. If you put me in front of a microphone at Madison Square Garden with people, I'd just be ready to go. Like, let's go. All right. My three, uh, number one is the, uh, the funny version of a motivational speaker. I think I would pursue stand-up comedy. I, I, That's not that, the funny version of a motivational speaker. Yeah, you're talking speaker. to people, you're just making them laugh instead of getting them excited to go address their problems. So uh, I consider myself to be on the, the funnier side of the spectrum, maybe 70th, 75th percentile. Could I parlay that into a stand-up comedy career? Don't know. We'll find out. Number two, I would go uh, go back and, and pursue what I went to college for, which is some sort of sports broadcasting, sports podcasting, uh, sports announcing. I, I just love doing play by play. So uh, get it, you know, start the high school level, try and work my way up as a play by play announcer. But uh, definitely the the sports broadcasting realm. And then third and finally, I would open up a restaurant. And I would probably hate it because a lot of people say that they want to open up a restaurant and then decide it's not for them. But I would just, I got a lot of, got a lot of great food ideas going on in this mind and would love to share those with the planet of the three. That's, you know, that might be the most realistic if I, uh, if I retire at 54 and, uh, and, and go into the restaurant business, but. People don't understand in all seriousness, you are a very good cook. You're someone who's very thoughtful about ingredients that that go into food and how it's going to taste, right? And textures, the te- textures, and also how how different items mix. So when you say that, you're not saying that as someone of oh, it'd just be nice if I went and opened a restaurant. You actually have the skill set, I think, to really take off in that realm. If again, you had that unlimited funds and all the people you're, support you, and actually wondering- a culinary background probably wondering what the restaurant would be called it would be called breakfast and barbecue and, right you've already uh, we've already had this discussion for years for people who are and, and just tuning in uh, from like 6 a.m until 11 a.m or so we would be like an ihop breakfast food i love cook- breakfast my favorite thing to cook i got a lot of great breakfast recipes um and then uh at lunchtime lunchtime and dinner time we would we would transform into a barbecue restaurant and uh, my dad's a big barbecue guy has a smoker does all that stuff i dabble a little bit make my own barbecue sauce, make my own dry rubs, things of that nature. So we would, you know, and, and that's just a unique spin. You don't see a lot of, a lot of IHOPs or pancake houses cranking out barbecue for, for lunch and there. Someone's listening probably say, oh, well, the ingredient list for that restaurant would be far too. Well, hey, Mark Benioff's worth like $200 billion. So I think we're, I think we're fine on the ingredients. We'll keep moving couple of things in the, uh, in the teat corner. Um, it is our final week of volunteer appreciation month. So 
one final time, um, we want to say thank you to our volunteers and uh, make sure that they know that that they are appreciated. We had Thomas and Pat on last week and they were phenomenal. But uh, if you have not taken time to thank the volunteers that you work with in Teak or elsewhere, please do so. Uh, it's a phone call. It's a text message. It's an email. Something small, two, three lines could make all the difference in the world. Um, it is also our last podcast of the uh, of Financial Literacy Month. 2021. So make sure you're checking out the money vehicle um, and that tool and just educating yourself more on, on what's going on in the financial realm. Talked about that a lot last week too. Um, and then a little preview for next month. It is mental health awareness month. So we have some professionals that are teaks that are going to come on and, and talk about mental well-being and, and something that's been very, very prevalent in the last year and a half. And something a lot of people have struggled with at times. So we're excited to do that. I would just encourage you to, uh, you're gonna see a lot of resources about mental health in the next month coming from the fraternity, probably coming not from the fraternity, given the fact that, that that's what the month is dedicated to. So take advantage of those um, and make sure that you are taking care of yourself and, and checking in on yourself from time to time. Going now to our, our good buddy, Zachary Scott, a uh, little disclaimer for all those listeners out there. I am flying solo for the Zach Scott conversation and the interview. Donnie uh, was unavailable for, for these portions, which, you know, it's, it's a little like losing a, a best friend or, you know, it's like you go through your whole life with a twin and then at some point your twin gets raptured because they lived a much more pious and devoted life than you. And you're left down here on earth to handle the Teeth Nation podcast interviews. Zach, do you miss Donnie yet? Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is, uh, this is nice. This solo flight. We're just going to take this over. Buckle <laughs> up, Teat Nation. Hope, hope everyone's got an extra 90 minutes. All right, Zach, you went to an initiation in Miami, Coral Gables, I should say, over the weekend. Yes. How did that go? It was, uh, it was quite the experience. Um, I, uh, obviously I know that I've talked about visiting the University of Miami colony, um, uh, about, I guess, a month and a half ago, a month ago, somewhere along those lines. And seeing the progression of the group, I think at that point, there were only like maybe 10 to 12 people who were interested in, in the organization that were already accepted bids, that were thinking about accepting bids. And to see 34 new members get initiated was pretty awesome. I know they had some virtual concepts with it too, um, bringing some alumni in. Obviously, um, it was great to see the Grand Province Advisor for Apollo Province in Florida, Ed Robinson. Jason Blank um, was the Chief Installing Officer for the initiation, or Chief Initiating Officer, I guess. Um, and it was just a really cool experience, and to see how far PJ Malafronte on our staff has come, and, and to see the, the types of men that he's brought in. Really awesome. Expect some big things from that group. Yeah, I was going to make sure we shouted out PJ. He did a, a fantastic job down there, and that was really his second big project. He's only been on staff, always well, been on staff less than a year now, and he went and, and built a 35-man group from pretty much nothing at a at a flagship campus. So uh, good work, PJ, if you're listening. I'm curious your your perspective, Zach, about what is what is joint. Not everyone has this opportunity, but what is joining a new group like if you're those 35 guys, what is their experience compared to, you know, your experience or my experience joining a chapter that's been in existence for 20, 30, 50, a hundred years. What is, what are some opportunities you might have joining an interest group or a colony that you wouldn't have joining an already established chapter? 
Yeah. So I think I've talked about this before, but I was actually a member of a colony um, in my undergraduate time. So it helps to relate right when you're um, recruiting guys on the ground and I've started groups and, and just talking to the individuals who are part of colonies or who are on that, that first wave of people. It's uh, it's an opportunity, right. To, to start something brand new and forge your own path. A lot of people talk about um, wanting to leave behind a legacy when they go to college. People talk about wanting to branch out and meet new people when they go to college wanting to get involved on campus, all these different things. But this really gives you the opportunity to build something that one will leave a legacy in theory for decades to come if it's done the right way, an opportunity to get that leadership that you want through an experience that nobody else typically at your university at any given time can, can put on their resume. And it's that self-starter entrepreneurial spirit, right? That a lot of businesses and employers are looking for, you can showcase with that. Um, and so you get different types of people, right? The guys who typically want to join Greek life, um, where that's like the thing that they, when they're going to school, that's the only thing they could think about over the summer or their first semester, if they're a deferred campus, those guys, typically they go for those more established organizations. Not always. There's certainly plenty of people who get caught up and they see their best buddy going through it, or um, they see a couple of other friends that they recognize going through it. But you're typically finding the guys who have a want a different experience, I should say. And they want to probably not even be a part of a fraternity. They just want to give back to the university. They want to be impactful um, and use their time at, at university wisely. So you find a different caliber of student and finding, right, if you, whether it's 20, 30, 50 of those types of students, you, you get those like-minded people together. You sprinkle in a couple of people who did want to be a part of Greek life. You get a couple athletes, you get, right, so on and so forth. And you start to build this quite robust organization that wasn't here maybe six months ago. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? Is finding, we always talk about the fraternity being this um, well-mixed kind of pot of different people. And sometimes as groups get those five, 10, 15 years under their belt, you start to kind of become this very similar rigid organization. When you're starting something brand new, you really do have that that well mixed organization, and I think it's it's really something. I mean, just listening to everybody talk at the initiation ceremony for um, the Gamma Delta Colony was insightful. Seeing the different types of people um, that you get and the responses right when they do gavel pass and all these different things, that's uh, I think that's what's different and what separates the new brand new organizations from more of the well established ones, and certainly. The Gamma Delta Colony will get there when they become the Gamma Delta chapter over the next few years, but hopefully they'll uh, they'll remember their roots and continue to to bring in new people that bring something else to the table um, and bring that other perspective. Yeah, I mean you're you're not signing up for parties and social events and, and mixers. You're signing up to do work. Like you're signing up to build something. You're signing up to have to file paperwork with our office and build a chartering packet and plan a ceremony. I mean, that's, you're, you're signing up for a completely different experience, which I think it, you know, it, it really, to me, it helps me understand why some of our best groups are recently charter groups because they have those types of individuals. Um, and I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that, that Tampa or Epsilon Beta was a, a colony when you were, when you were there. So my bad. All good. All good. It's uh, I think now that the machine is really rolling along, it's, it's hard to, hard to remember that back in like, I think 2013 is when we got our charter. So um, it's uh, coming up on that 10 year anniversary and it's quite the, quite the achievement when groups do that, but you got to stay strong throughout that process, not just chartering. That's not the goal. It's to keep pushing forward. So excited to see what our colonies can do. All right, Zach, I hope this was okay for you without, uh, without Donnie here. Is there anything that you need to get off your chest, not in his presence? 
Uh, I can't think of anything, but uh, uh, maybe we'll get another chance to, to fly solo. We'll see. Um, it's just definitely um, an experience. Hold on. Do me a favor real quick. Pronounce the word that I'm putting in the chat right now. Integral? Ah, see, Donnie and I both go integral. And we yeah, have- I'm thinking, I mean, even after I said it, I was like, I could go integral. Well, it's nice to, nice to bring in different perspectives. That's what makes this podcast so special. So, all right. Thank you. Talk to you next week. All righty. Sounds good. Adios. Always good time with Zachary. Going to move now into our guest profile with AJ Eckstein and Henry Gao. And we are very excited now to welcome in two new friendly faces here on the Teak Nation podcast. We have AJ Eckstein and Henry Gao. These are two men that come to us from the world-renowned Beta Sigma chapter at the University of Southern California. Uh, they have started and are, are currently operating the career coaching company. AJ is the founder and CEO of the career coaching company. Henry is the general manager. Um, AJ also hosts the Final Round podcast. Uh, just out of school about a year now, right, AJ? Yes, about a, about a year, and I call myself a virtual grad because I graduated during a pandemic and in-person graduation was canceled. So yes, about a year. There you go. And then Henry, you're a sophomore at USC. I'm Stark, a sophomore. Correct? That gotcha. is correct. Yep. Good deal. So the first question I have for you guys, um, either of you can take it. Will USC football ever be good ever again, as long as uh, the three of us are on the face of this planet? That's a great question. I really don't know. I, even today, I still watch the highlights from 2003, 2004. Um, mm -hmm. I was actually raised in Seattle, and so seeing Pete, Pete Carroll uh, coach the Trojans back then versus not coaching the, the, the Trojans now, it's kind of a pain. But hopefully sometime even before I graduate, um, we'll at least uh, do slightly better than yeah. from the previous two seasons. you got to dig way back for those highlights now. That's that's a little sad, yeah. You do. You do. It's unfortunate. Uh, but it is what it is. Trojan basketball, here we come. That's right. Yeah, we uh, we talk a lot of sports on the podcast. So I want to make sure we got the USC football jab out of the way early. Um, appreciate you guys humoring that. So first thing I want to get into, I do want to talk about the company, about the career coaching company. Um, and, and if you could just briefly describe what you all do and, and how it is that you all operate that business. Yeah, so I, I guess I can take this one, Henry, and feel free to add on after just gives an initial background on the company. So when I was going through USC, I was fortunate enough to be hyper involved in different organizations. And what I realized is that there really is not one course or class that you take that actually prepares you to land internships and jobs. Of course, some schools like USC have a career center, and we're very fortunate to have one, but many people don't go to it because it's not tailored to what the person wants to do. So if you're trying to pursue investment banking, you're getting advice from someone who never was in investment banking. So, you know, I saw that as an opportunity and throughout my time at USC, and I've been fortunate enough to intern at five different companies, one of the biggest ones being the Walt Disney Company, people would be reaching out to me on LinkedIn, having friends, people in class, and just asking me, you know, what I was doing differently than the next person. And I was always happy to hop on a coffee chat or actually get in-person coffee, obviously pre-COVID, but I realized there was a real need and that no one was teaching people actually how to schedule coffee chats, right? What do you say in a coffee chat? How do you get referrals? So when I graduated last year in May, there was an opportunity to help because of my job actually got pushed back about six months due to COVID and the entire world was essentially put on pause. 
people were getting laid off left and right, and also offers were getting rescinded. So I really wanted to dive into my entrepreneurial endeavors and also give back at the same time. So it was a win-win. So I had the idea of starting the career coaching company where we actually offer one-on-one tailored career coaching from recent grads at top companies. So I did a lot of the coaching early on and I'm working now in management consulting. So I would help people break into management consulting. We brought in about 15 coaches uh, currently and people who work at top companies in investment banking can actually help people get into those same companies. Um, And throughout that process, we learned that the tailoring aspect is so important because I can tell you exactly what I did to prepare to get into where I am at right now versus someone giving a one size fits all approach. So, you know, what we do is really offer that one-on-one career guidance to help you get to where you want to go from where you are right now. And we also launched the Final Round podcast where we interview company recruiters to share insight as to why people get knocked out of the final round and why others actually advance past the final round. So it's been an amazing journey and we'll definitely loop Henry in and talk about how he was able to get involved with the career coaching company, but it's been a great journey so far. Yeah. And that was my next question. I'm glad you you brought that up. Henry, you're still very pretty early on in your college career. How did you get involved at this level and, and what was it that drew you to the to the company? Yeah, it's a it's certainly a great question. I think one of the one of the first things that I realized, you know, going to a business school, um, any business school really, it really is, is that you start to realize that applying for a job or applying for an internship isn't the same as you know applying for college. Let's say if you're a high school senior, um, there are so many different factors that go, and especially for some of the more competitive jobs, you know, management consulting is one of the industries. You know, investment banking. Let's say there is so much that goes into just the actual preparation that you don't exactly know, um, let's say, if you were a freshman coming in and really aren't too sure where to start. And the reason uh, why I decided to join Career Coaching Company in the first place, I'm actually hopped on a, on a call with AJ initially um, and realized that not only did we align in a lot of certain values, let's say, such as you know a pay-it-forward mentality, always constantly you know giving back, uh, but also this idea that we can actually make an impact. If it is just one person that we're helping, helping that one person find their dream job, that's, that, that's, that's mission accomplished. That's goal accomplished for the day. Um, and so that's essentially what drives me um, every single day and, and the reason why I'm still here at this company. And I know, uh, AJ, a lot of the groundwork that was laid for Career Coaching Company was done while you were a student. And you, you know, that's really where you found that passion. And, and obviously, Henry still, still being a student. Where does that, that drive come from? Because I, I know for a lot of college students out there, like being a college student is their full-time gig, or, or maybe they pick up shifts on the weekends at a, at a restaurant or, or you know, work in retail somewhere. But to start a company, to run a company, to be a, in, a, an important part of a, of a successful company while you're still trying to get your degree and, and also balancing all the other obligations, how do you find that drive? What do you tap into that allows you to do that? Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned working at a restaurant. So I actually attended a community college for my first year of college, and I worked two different uh, server and a, a busser job at two different restaurants while being a full-time student. I think that's where I started to understand the grind. If anyone listening has worked in the food and beverage industry, it is an absolute grind. It's a hustle, right? You're working for tips, long hours on your feet. And that's where I initially, I'd say, started to build my work ethic. But then when I transferred to USC, I was fortunate enough to be able to focus on my studies as well as getting involved on campus. Because at the end of the day, most minimum wage jobs with tips will probably make more, you'll generate more money than an internship. 
but internships ultimately lead to jobs, not really minimum wage jobs. So when I transferred to USC, I wanted to get as involved as I possibly could. And I joined a ton of different organizations and I started to realize what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them. But a lot of them were being, in my opinion, run for the wrong reasons as they were almost like shell organizations being run just to put a name on a resume and put, oh, I'm a president of this, when in reality, you don't really do anything and you're not really helping others. So I actually left all of the organizations and started something called the Latino Business Student Association, where my mission was to help underrepresented students, like first-generation students and transfers from a Latinx background, break into competitive industries. And I would say this is the first time where I actually started to understand my why and what I was really passionate about. And I would say this is where I started to build that drive, right? Coming off of those restaurants and having the work ethic, but now tailoring it to empowering others. And there was no better feeling, like Henry said earlier, than helping people empower their careers because it's not a short-term win. If someone gets an internship through our guidance from the organization, it's not just a summer win, but you know that internship will lead to a full-time job, which will lead to an entire career likely of success. So I would say with this organization is where I found my passion to help others. And I think that continued to you know, go down the direction of empowering others with their careers with the career coaching company. Um, and it's really funny how Henry, I don't think he mentioned this, but how he got involved is that he reached out to me for a coffee chat. And I was just so impressed with how young he was reaching out for a coffee chat. And he wasn't even eligible for most internships or jobs. And he actually started off as an intern uh, in business development for the company. And then, you know, through his hard work and his great value for the company actually increased and got promoted. And now he's the general manager. So I think that with, you know, hard work and having that drive in school, you shouldn't do it for the wrong reasons, but you should try to figure out what really makes you tick. What are you passionate about? What gets you out of bed? And then find how you can align those values with an organization or a company or even a social organization and grow in the organization to be able to fulfill your mission. Well, I think there's a, a lesson there too, and would love for you to, to touch on this, Henry, just about shooting your shot, right? You, you reached out, set up, a, set up a time to get coffee, and it's led you down this path that you probably not only didn't expect, but never could have imagined when you sent that email or text or phone call, whatever that was, right? To, to talk us through the, just that mental process of, hey, I'm going to try something, don't know if it's going to work out, and, and it, it, it obviously did work out for you, but I think a lot of people, they, they don't take those risks because they don't want to be told no, they don't want to fail, they, they want to sit and, and stay where it's comfortable and safe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was probably one of the biggest learning lessons from just being a part of Teak. Um, you know, common, commonly when you're at even a big college, you're involved in so many of these student organizations, upwards of 100, 200, 500, and even 1,000 people at times. But very rarely do some people actually take the effort to reach out, especially to some of the older guys who have already pretty much succeeded, let's say, in finding their internship or finding their jobs. And yet, especially when you're a freshman or a sophomore, just someone who is relatively new to the process, that's where you really do need to dig deep um, and reach out to those who you think uh, you, you, you could help. And so actually, that's exactly what I did with AJ. I saw, I looked him up on LinkedIn, um, saw that he was a member of the same fraternity and, you know, reached out to him for a coffee chat and ended up just being one of the most amazing conversations that I've had in college. And, you know, that, that sort of touches on a broader point within the world of business. You know, so much of it is just connections. It is who you meet. It is who you develop those relationships with and, and not just developing, but also maintaining them um, in whatever sort of way that you want. It could be professional, it could be personal, it could be social in whatever way, but relationships are the core to any successful business. And that's something that I've really truly learned. And 
you know, in the world of COVID, it's, it's so much harder almost to connect uh, on a deeper level. But at the same time, everyone is so much more accessible. Uh, it's so easy just to reach out to someone on LinkedIn or even on Instagram or, or Twitter or anything like that. Set up a quick 15 minute chat and boom, there you go. That's a new connection that you never really know uh, where that could lead um, in terms of you know, professional opportunities. Well, and that's another great point too, because I, uh... I think too often you see, oh, this person works for a company I was thinking about applying for, but I haven't talked to them since seventh grade, or I have one little thing in common with them, right? We're in the same fraternity or we're from the same hometown, but the way it sounds, and I'd love for you guys to expand on this a little more too, because I think it's very practical to build those connections. You have to take some of those risks and, and even just that tiny little in that, that one little slice that, that you have in common with someone else, right? Shoot them a message, shoot them an email, whatever that is. Worst they're going to say is not interested. The best that's going to happen is you're going to have a new, really valuable connection and, and be able to utilize that as you look to build your career and your job, right? I think there were so many good points in there and I can just talk on a few of them for a second. So I think with networking, there are a lot of people, including myself early on, that was afraid to reach out to people, that was afraid to take up someone's time because they were doing me a favor and I couldn't offer anything in return because I was a younger student. I just couldn't offer anything. But I think what you're offering is the chance for them to feel good to mentor someone. And I've built up mentors through networking, not through a official mentorship program, just because I continued to follow up and we were able to build upon those similarities. So when you are networking, always start, I would say the first and the easiest place to start would be with your alma mater. Start with your school, especially if you go to a big school, it's very easy to find people, but then it goes deeper and saying, okay, I can see people who go to the same school as me, let's say USC, but on one deeper level, who was a president at school, right? I was a president who also ran an organization. Okay, we have that in common. Who's from Los Angeles? Okay, we have that in common location. Who was, you know, I know Henry played the piano in high school, right? Who is a musician talking about those things? So of course, for everyone, you can't draw similarities, but if you can, and it's oftentimes not that hard if you get creative, drawing similarities builds, builds a relationship and you want, especially when you're cold outreaching, to have somewhat of a warmer relationship other than just, hey, Alex, saw that you work at X company, I'm interested let's hop on a coffee chat. Cause that's not, that's not personal. And I, I don't want to owe you, I don't owe you anything if it's not personal. So I think the first thing is drawing the similarities and having a tailored approach. But I would say the second thing, and one of my favorite quotes after interviewing recruiters in the final round, this is a quote from actually our first episode of recruiter from the Boston consulting group. He said that the best time to network is when you don't need anything. Right. And if you think about that for a second and let it resonate, a lot of people start the networking process as a junior or senior in college because they need an internship, yeah. because they need a job. When in reality, the beauty of networking is when you don't need anything. When Henry reached out to me, he wasn't asking me for, you know, to apply to the internship because it didn't exist yet, right? But when he reached out to me and he really impressed me with how early he was outreaching and he asked great questions and he, I can tell he was really interested in the company. Fast forward a few weeks later when we had an internship opportunity open, who was the first person that I thought of to have him apply? It was Henry right? He didn't, he didn't even apply, right? It was more so like I reached out to him. It was inbound versus outbound. So I think with anything you do, reaching out to people to just schedule a coffee chat and say, I don't want anything from you. I just want to learn. I just want to hear more about what you're doing. And then in a few weeks or a few months, when some opportunity does arise, then you can follow up with them and ask them. And then it's a warmer connection. So I'd say the big thing is try to network when you don't need anything. 
That's fantastic advice. And I think you're, you're right. People get in that, that, oh shit, I need connections. I need to network, right? I need a job. And, and by that point, it's probably already too late. If, if you build that and, and you're proactive and you're, you're forward thinking, it becomes a lot easier and you're, you're going to build even more connections than if you just reach out to one or two people in the final hour. So um, I think that's, that's fantastic advice. Uh, I, I'm curious, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you guys in right now is because a lot of guys are graduating. Uh, the school year's ending, so guys are looking for summer internships. They're looking to to find ways to to build that network and to build those connections and to build that resume. I know you you both probably have a wealth of knowledge, and and it wouldn't you know two three hours wouldn't be enough time to go through everything. But what are a couple tips tricks thoughts? You, you shared a great piece on the networking, but what else if someone's going right now? applying to jobs, interviewing, looking for, for a summer internship in a competitive field, what are a couple things that you think they could do fairly easily that are going to elevate them above a lot of the field? Yeah, that's, that's certainly a fantastic question. And it really is the golden question, right? Especially if you are a junior or a senior and you, and you need a job you know, in whatever industry, um, it's important to do a few things. And I think AJ's point on networking is also my biggest point as well. Uh, but it's more to just, you know, just talking to people. Some of my best conversations when networking didn't even have to do with anything that they did professionally. You know, we talked about more so their personal interests, let's say, their, you know, their, their experience in music, their experience in sports. And from there on on, then, then you start reaching out to them maybe a few months afterwards. And once that personal connection has already been established, then that's where you, make an, you may ask for, let's say, a referral. You may ask, you know, if they have any opportunities available. But with networking does come time and you definitely, like AJ said, don't want to wait till the last minute um, in order to network. I think the second thing um, that we, we would probably both agree on is to not cram any of these you know, energy, uh, interviews or jobs or anything. This isn't like a late night essay that you're writing for you know, your philosophy class, not something that you can just do at 1230 a.m. in the morning. But recruiting and just recruiting for jobs in general is a, a, a process that if you do start early, like AJ said, um, that will maximize your chance of landing, let's say, your dream internship or a dream job. And so this isn't prepping for your interview the night before. This is prepping months in advance, even making sure that your story can be told in the most eloquent, um, in the best manner as possible. So let's say when you do get an interview, even if you get a call like, hey, are you ready to interview tomorrow? You are ready at any point in any time. And especially when you're a student, you know, it is tough to, to, to balance recruiting and school and, and everything else that you do in college. But that just makes it all the more important that you start, you know, at, at, at a reasonable time. And I think the third thing uh, and the last thing as well is to not, you know, put all your eggs into one basket. I think one of the biggest things is to be open-minded in your approach, especially when it comes to recruiting. I know a lot of freshmen don't even know what, the, what, what they want to major in, or even some seniors who don't even know what they want to major in at times. But that just makes it all the more important to develop, you know, a multitude of skills that you could possibly market, whether it is in tech, uh, consulting, investment banking, any industry or career that could potentially suit you. But it is most important that you realize what you do best first, maybe perhaps even develop a passion in whatever you want to do, if it is an entrepreneurship, but it is is in finance or whatever industry and there you come across as more prepared and more fit and ready and tailored for whatever job that you're applying for um, but those would be the three pieces of advice that I would give and I'm assuming these recruiters you're talking to in the final round they talk to enough people they can sniff out pretty quickly if someone's not prepared if they've tried to cram I mean they they're doing hundreds thousands of interviews it's not hard when you do something that many times 
to be able to separate someone a lot of times within the first 30, 45 seconds about how well prepared they are and, and how seriously they're taking these opportunities. Exactly. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head in that there is so much outreach. It's not that hard to figure out who had a templated message versus who had a tailored message, right? It's not that hard to figure out if the person actually read the job description, right? Or if they have no idea what's going on, right? It's not that hard to figure out if people did research on the company and realize if you, you know, you're applying to Airbnb and you didn't know they just had an IPO pretty recently versus you still think they're a private company, like that's a red flag, right? So you have to do more than the next person. And I think that's actually the main piece of advice. It's, it's definitely hard to top um, you know, Henry's three pieces of advice, but I think my main one would say, do more than the next person, right? And what does that mean doing more? It means doing more when you're outreaching and networking. If you think that everyone networks, right? But no one networks effectively. No one spends a few extra minutes to tailor that message, right? To say, hey, Alex, I saw you not only worked at this organization, but this is your role. I saw you're from this location. I saw that we have these similarities, not just I want to hop on a coffee chat, but I want to hop on a coffee chat to learn about X, Y, and Z and asking really good, insightful questions, right? So tailoring is a big thing. And I would say also for the next part of, of doing more than the next person is getting involved, right? So, you know, I remember when I started my time at USC and I thought I made it basically. I thought that I can go on cruise control. I thought that, you know, grades don't even matter anymore. And that I'm at USC, I'm at this prestigious, organ or prestigious school and I don't have to really work that hard. What you don't realize is that now you're in a pool of very qualified candidates and also competing against other schools to apply for very few top jobs. So how do you differentiate yourself? How you differentiate yourself, in my opinion, is through your involvement. And that's what I did by getting involved on campus because there's only so much you can do with your GPA, right? Once you max out at a 4.0, which I definitely did not do, I was more focused on getting involved, then it, it's like, what else do you have for your story? So I think with involvement, you have to think about, okay, it's not just getting involved on campus, right? Because how many general members are there? Intique, for instance, right? How many people are just showing up to chapter? There's a lot, but how many people are president? How many people are the VP of finance? How many people are the rush chairs, right? There's very few, there's only so many positions on the board. So I think that growing within the organizations or involvements that you're in is a huge part that adds to your story and shows initiative. And then I would say the last one is doing the research. Right. So if I'm having a conversation with someone and it's a coffee chat, I'm going to make sure to research this person and see what they're about, see if they've written any articles or, you know, if, let's say you're reaching out to me and you say that you like the Find Our Own podcast. I expect you to maybe have listened to an episode. Right. So don't just tell me that you've heard it, but I'm going to ask them, say, like, what was your favorite episode? Like, I'd love to hear your feedback. And if you don't know, that's a red flag. Right. So I think the research is not only for the coffee chats, but every interview that I was ever a part of. I research the interviewer and see who they are on LinkedIn, right? Can I build a persona about them? Do I know what makes them tick, right? Is there a, a quote on their summary section of their LinkedIn that says that I'm driven by empowering others, right? So talk about that if that's part of your story, but also the company, right? Researching what's going on at the company. Do they just go through an acquisition? Are they now public, right? Do they offer and launch a new product? Like all of those things fit into your answers to be a little bit more than the next person. So overall, doing more than the next person will land opportunities. Yeah, more, more great advice. I, I think that's, that's perfect. And hopefully those listeners out there who are, are in this stage are, are taking notes and taking it to heart. 
I want to back up just a little bit. You talked about involvement on campus and, and specifically Teak and fraternities. One of the questions uh, when we go to RLCs, when we go to, to Conclave, to Leadership Academy, and we do some of these networking sessions, we bring in professionals. I know one of the questions a lot of those guys get and that I myself have heard is how can I market my fraternity experience on a resume, in a cover letter, in an interview? I think some people sh maybe shy away from it even. They think it might be viewed as a negative to have been in a fraternity. I think others realize it can be spun as a positive. They just don't know exactly what that spin is. What advice do you give to individuals who you work with who are in fraternities or sororities about how to market their experience in Greek life in a job uh, or an internship environment? I would say, and this might be a more personal opinion, but I would say that it depends on the position. If it's a social organization, like a fraternity or sorority, it needs to be the right type of position. And what I mean by the right type of position, in my opinion, it needs to be a president, a vice president, I would say VP of finance or treasurer, because you usually manage a very large budget. So those are some example positions or even VP of uh, community service is a big one, right? Because there's so many community right. service events and you raise money for different organizations. That being said, I think there are some other positions that are still fun to do, but don't really fit into your story as in being a social chair. I don't know if really hosting social events is necessarily something you want to bring up or it's going to make you a stronger candidate. So I think it depends on the position, but overall, I think it goes back to the initial premise of getting involved and being more than just a general member, because I was involved in a couple of different organizations, but if it wasn't anything that was more than just showing up, I didn't talk about it and it wasn't on my resume because there were 50 other people who did the exact same thing. So I do think that there are a ton of amazing leadership positions within social fraternities and sororities, but you have to be strategic with how does that fit into your story. And I remember that one of, I think it was our treasurer or VP of finance, he put on his resume that he was managing a budget that was, I don't even want to say the amount because it was such a large <laughs> budget. And it's very rare to be able to manage that large of a budget for an organization in college. And I know that all the sororities and other fraternities as well, you can manage that large of a budget. So just think about when you do wanna get involved, right? What position is gonna help you build your story and what are you interested in? If you hate accounting and hate finance, don't go for the VP of finance position, right? Go for maybe the VP position or for the community service lead or for the president. So thinking about the involvement, not only the organization, but what position, and then do you enjoy it? Because it's going to take a lot of time and stress and you better enjoy what you're doing because then you're just going to hate what you're doing. So try to add to your story and thinking about not only is it, how is it going to help today, but help build your story for the future. I think ju just to add on to, to one of the points that AJ made, you know, being president of the fraternity is obviously amazing. Being VP of philanthropy, VP of finance, any of those positions that are amazing. But that's not to say that you shouldn't be applying for, you know, let's say a social chair or uh, or whatever positions that you know other teams around the nation have. Because at the end of the day, you know, you are still making those connections. You are still putting your foot in the door. You are still getting the rest of the chapter to recognize who you are. And the fact that you are taking initiative to take on any of the uh, any of these positions is indicative of the fact that you do want to help out um, that local fraternity chapter in some way. And so, you know, one of the best things about many of the clubs and organizations fraternities sororities is that you don't just have to take one position throughout your entire college career you know you can start off as a social chair when you're a sophomore work your way up to be vp of finance your junior year and maybe even president your senior year and so there are so many different opportunities available for 
you to advance up the ladder if you want and have something on your resume that you can quantify in terms of impact. Um, so really taking any position uh, does work in order to, as long as it fits, you know, the story that you want to tell uh, professionally. And then one more thing I want to add to that as well that you kind of just made me remember, Henry, is that it depends on what industry you are pursuing, right? So if you're pursuing a very corporate industry, as in management consulting or investment banking or finance or wealth management, right? You have to be more professional. So it should be something that is an executive board member or VP of finance. But if you're pursuing, let's say marketing, then social chair might make complete sense because you host events with other organizations and you bring people to events and marketing is marketing to people to do a certain call to action. So that might make sense if you can spin it and have it fit your narrative. But then if you're pursuing, let's say a human resources or recruiting position, you wanna be a recruiter for an organization, rush chair is the ideal position. So thinking about again, not just how it fits your story, but what are you pursuing and then making it fit you know, the ideal candidate they're looking for. So I think that every position makes sense as long as it fits into your story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. Um, I do think you guys are downplaying a little bit the, uh, the social chair position at, at Beta Sigma. You know, I, I realize that's, you know, like playing in Super Bowls at times, trying to, uh, to play in the social events there. So uh, that's, uh, that, that's great advice. And, and I think you guys are spot on about uh, you can find a way to spin anything that, uh, that, that you do. It just shows you're taking that initiative to go and, and not just be another member, not just be a guy that shows up at meetings, shows up at parties, goes on with his life. I want to stay on the the teak topic and and just ask you both how the fraternity experience has helped you in your career path and and with your position with career coaching company and obviously AJ you had you had a, a much more full teak experience since you're graduated now and and Henry you're still working your way through it but how has your time with teak helped you guys? Yeah, that's that's certainly a great question. I think the easiest way to answer is that you know AJ is a teak himself and having not met AJ wouldn't be where I am today. So that's, I guess, the short answer. But I guess the longer answer is, and especially in any fraternity, any sorority, you, especially as a younger member, let's say you're a freshman or a sophomore, by joining that fraternity or sorority, you are um, under some sort of mentorship. You know, mo- commonly chapters around the nation have a big little program, let's say, but it's not limited just to do it to, to a big little program. I mean, most of the guys who are juniors and seniors hopefully do have a job in whatever industry. And especially at Beta Sigma, you know, we have so many guys in the chapter, I think upwards of 140 or 150 active members um, each semester. And there you are pretty much exposed to so many of these older guys who are in the industries that you, you, you perhaps want to pursue, you know, real estate or banking, consulting, even music industry. If you want to go into film, I'm sure there, there'll be people there as well. And so hearing those stories, uh, you, you really don't have to, you know, trailblaze your own path to success, especially when these people have already gone through whatever recruiting process, have already you know, worked at the companies that you're currently recruiting at. You, know, you don't have to do everything yourself. And so, you know, going back to a point that we made earlier, it's all about just reaching out to the right people, taking initiative and not being afraid, you know, even for potential rejection. You know, everyone is busy, especially in COVID, everyone's doing their own thing. But if you're reaching out to 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 people uh, within a span of a couple of months, you are guaranteed to have a few amazing conversations that, again, you never know where where it'll lead. That's exactly what happened uh, with AJ and I. And and here we are um, doing this to to hopefully help other other teaks and just other people in general um, land their dream job or internship. And I think if if I could add on to that, Henry, and probably my biggest takeaway of being a member uh, of Teak is that it was such an eclectic group of guys 
and everyone had their own story. Everyone had their own mission. Everyone had their own goals. And I remember that, you know, you walk into one room and someone's playing the piano or drums in the next room, they're studying for investment banking technicals. And the next room, they are looking at an anatomy book because they're pre-med. I think that was the biggest takeaway. I don't think you could stereotype that chapter, especially for Beta Sigma, because it was so eclectic. And, and that enabled me to say, okay, what is my niche, right? Where do I want to dig my specific narrative and my story? And I remember one of the, the coolest things about the house is that you can have a social event Thursday night, and then Friday morning by 6am, I was wearing a suit and tie going to a professional event, right? So being able to balance the work-life balance is so important. And I think the guys that I met, you know, throughout my time there were able to do it so effectively. Um, and I think, you know, overall, right, if you're part of an organization, it's only going to be effective if you go out of your way to meet people, because you'll get paired up oftentimes with a mentor or a buddy or a big little pairing, but go out of your way to ask that mentor to introduce you to his or her friends and then their friends and their friends. And it's the same thing with networking, but in a social setting. And that's the biggest takeaway that I had from Teak. Excellent. Well, my, my last question for you both, uh, it, it revolves around this idea of, of, of helping people. And I can tell that just through talking to you guys and looking at the website a little bit and, and understanding your backgrounds, the career coaching company is, it's more than just a job. It's more than just a business. You are passionate about helping people and about making a difference. A, so I guess it's a two-part question. Where does that passion come from? And then B, why is the work you're doing so important for you both as individuals, but, but for the community, for California, for, for, America, you know, you, you, the work that you're doing is making a difference. And, and I'm just curious what your perspective is on, on what that difference is. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can first start off with, with the latter question that you posed, which is, you know, why do you, why is the work that we do uh, important? And I think my answer to that is, is just because it's so relevant uh, to everyone, to, to all the listeners um, on this podcast right now, to every college student there is, to any person that, that wants to, to find a job Everything that we do at this company, everything from reviewing your resume, uh, reviewing cover letters, you know, optimizing your LinkedIn, and then prepping for interviews for whatever industry, banking, consulting, tech, finance, anything like that, there is a role that, we, that, that you could possibly play in you know, achieving that dream job of yours. And really this drive initially just came from, you know, before I even met AJ, I was still really interested in this whole, you know, almost career services industry. And I would always, you know, help my friends uh, edit their resumes, let's say, and, and then they would land, let's say, an internship for the summer that they were really, really excited about in whatever industry, startups, entrepreneurship, tech finance, all that. And that really just sparked something inside of me. And I was like, hey, you know, this is actually really, really inspiring. And even to this day, and I, I say this so often to AJ, every time he gives me an update or we just get an update as a company that one of our clients had just received an offer at whatever company, KPMG, Accenture, Facebook, Google, that makes my day. It makes my week because at the end of the day, again, if I'm just helping one person land whatever job, that makes me just as happy as they are in celebration for something that's so truly gratifying, especially when you are a junior or senior and you, and you get that first offer um, and you're like, okay, now we're entering the real world. Like, here we go. But I mean, again, it's just such a gratifying experience that um, it's, it's hard to really even, even put in words, but truly that is what drives me um, each and every day to help CCC and to help people, uh, again, you know, land whatever role that they want to land at whatever company. And I would say probably my answer to that question, I totally agree with everything that Henry said, is that there are so many underdogs in, in this 
you know, industry of trying to get internships and jobs. And it's not their fault that they started with a disadvantage, but they should be on the same playing field to make it more equitable for everyone. And what I mean by that is you can't argue with the fact that coming in as a transfer is a disadvantage. But if you use it to your advantage and saying that given that you transferred, you're going to have to go out of your way. You're going to have to really grind it out because you just lost a year or two years of college. And now you have to really get up to speed as quickly as possible. And I remember from my experience being a transfer, I thought of it as an advantage early on. I thought it was a you know weakness and it hurt me, but I graduated and a lot of my friends who were there for four years were asking me for advice. Right. So I think that helping the underdogs, even the first generation college students, right. My mother was a first gen from Mexico. Her whole family immigrated from Mexico city and she was the first one to go to college. And I met so many people at different schools who were trying to pave their own path without the guidance from their, their parents, right? So it's really tough. But I would say overall, not only empowering just underdogs with their careers, but with anyone with finding jobs, if you're unemployed or you're having trouble getting employment, it affects your entire life, right? It affects your mental state. It affects your financial state. It affects everything, right? So if you help someone and, and you empower their career, it's not just a short-term win for both of us but it's a long-term win. And I always feel whenever one of our clients gets that internship or job offer, I feel like I just got the job offer or internship with them because you're part of their journey. And whenever they, they praise us or the company and they say, if it wasn't for you, I always just say that myself, Henry, our company, we're like a GPS in your car, right? But you're driving and a GPS is worthless without someone driving with the GPS. We have guidance and can help you get to where you want to go but tell us where you want to go and we'll help you find some shortcuts along the way. And I think that is, is what we strive for and that we want to get you from where you are today to where you want to go. And we want to help you get there by empowering your career. Fantastic. I love that. I think that's a, a perfect, perfect sentiment to end on. Um, careercoachingcompany.com, right? That's the website. And then the final round podcast, uh, you can find it, I'm assuming Spotify, Google, Apple, all the, all the big ones. Yes, exactly. Found everywhere. Excellent. Any other, any other final closing thoughts? Uh, anything else, anywhere else you want to direct any of our listeners if they're looking for a little more help? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is kind of the plug section and I, I don't have anything to plug. I would just say that do something today that's going to help you tomorrow. And I said this on another, uh, one of our, uh, one of my friends podcasts as well, but I, I truly believe that given this very unique time with so much extra time on everyone's hands with COVID and the lack of, of, of a social scene and having everything virtual so you have more time to do whatever you want to do, I think it's the perfect time to start something, whether that's investing in yourself with reading more books or taking online courses or starting a side business or a side hustle or being more active on LinkedIn and reaching out to people and building your network. I think there is so much time on everyone's hands right now. And on the other side of the receivers, people want to help and give back because we feel fortunate that we're employed. So use this time effectively because fast forward a few months to a year from now, you're going to look back on this time and say, did I maximize this free time or did I waste it? And I could have advanced my career. So that's the last thing I would probably say to end on. Yeah, I think, you know, j just to add on to that, especially coming from coming from a student's perspective, it's it's so easy to, to almost give up at the end of each day, you know, sitting through eight hours of lecture just online um, lectures that you could easily find on YouTube for, let's say, five minutes. You know, it, it, it is really tough, especially in these times to feel unmotivated. But as AJ said, this is almost the best time to even go out of your way 
to do something more because uh, one of the unique things about this situation is that almost everyone is in this situation, but it really is up to yourself to take that extra step, go out of your way to network with 10 plus extra people that your, your peers aren't even networking with, doing things, investing in yourself, reading books, you know, watching videos on YouTube to learn about different subjects that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. You know, all these things that even though we may not want to do now, hopefully in the future, at some point, we can look back on these times and look and, and say, hey, you know, this was the perfect time to do everything that I did. And here I am investing in myself and being better and doing better for my future. Um, and and that, that's exactly the sentiment that I want to echo from AJ, um, given, you know, that these times are, like you said, pretty tough. But if there is something that you can do about that, that you can do about it, just go do it. And I can promise you, and this is what AJ and I have been doing ever since Career Coaching Company, that it will benefit no matter what happens. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for your time, for the the wisdom, the advice, the energy. Um, it's been been fantastic being able to, to chat and uh, looking forward to hopefully doing it again sometime. So thank you guys. Um, and, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. The pleasure is all ours. And thanks again for everything. And, and we look forward to hopefully being back on and, and sharing more career insight. Absolutely. Thank you for having us, Alex. And one final thank you to those two for their time. I think it really, it's really exciting to see a two individuals that young and that early on in their careers go build something that is valuable and strong, but also just the, the perspective they gave about seeing a, a market share that was not being tapped into and going and finding a way to tap into it to provide a service that was needed, that, that is being utilized. It, it tells a story and it's something that any one of us could, could go do. Not everyone has that drive or that passion or, or even that entrepreneurial spirit, which is perfectly fine. I, I certainly don't, but having those guys in to, to share some perspective on what it's like to start and, and run a company, but also a lot of great, great information about what to do and how to go about that job search. Uh, really, really excited to have them on and hopefully have them on again sometime in the future. That is all for us here today on the Teak Nation podcast. Remember, of course, to smash the like button, subscribe. Uh, I think Apple's doing something new with their podcasts. I should probably learn about it since this is a podcast, but um, I'll put that on my to-do list for the week. Subscribe, like Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast, make sure that you are the first to know when a new episode of the Teak Nation podcast is available. Thank you all for listening. Donnie's not here, but I will say on his behalf, we appreciate you all, appreciate our volunteers, and we're looking forward to talking again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.